Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Movie Nights Roundtable. It is just me today, but don't worry. Later this week, you're going to get Nick, Hannah, and Morgan back for our Dark Knight Revisited episode. We're very excited about that. If you haven't watched our Batman Begins one, I highly recommend you go back and watch it. It was so much fun to do, and Dark Knight is even more fun. But with that down, guys, we have so much news to talk about. It was a huge news week, so I'm going to go ahead and just dive right into this. And our first story actually just dropped as soon as I started recording this, right before. According to Deadline, there's been a huge shakeup at Disney as Sean Bailey exits as president of the Walt Disney Motion Picture Studios and Searchlight's David Greenbaum is going to take over. You might be thinking, well, Dalton, what does this mean? Well, it means that the guy who was in charge of live-action theatrical motion pictures for Disney is now gone, and they're replacing him with the guy who did Searchlight. It's huge news. Sean Bailey's been there for a long time, and it was kind of expected him to take over Netflix's position, but now that might need to happen according to Jeff Snyder, so I'm going to go ahead and get into this Deadline article. Effective immediately, Walt Disney's president of Motion Picture Studios, Sean Bailey, who turned the company's animation vault into a multi-billion dollar live-action movie business, is departing after 15 years on the lot. Searchlight co-president David Greenbaum is stepping in to replace him. Greenbaum's new title will be President, Disney Live Action, and 20th Century Studios. He'll serve, report to Disney Entertainment, co-chairman Alan Bergman. Steve Aspel will continue to serve as president of 20th Century Studios. He A role he's had since March of 2020, he will report to Greenbaum. So uh, this is huge for Disney live action, and I think this might even be a repercussion. This is speculation on my part. This might even be a repercussion of the multi-billion dollar spending that studios have been doing and just not seeing that return, you know, with movies like Indiana Jones flopping, movies like the Marvels flopping, you know, multi-million dollar movies just not making that return that they're used to. And I think maybe having someone be in charge of the live action feature film division is going to help them significantly, especially someone who's coming from Searchlight Pictures, which is used to keeping kind of movies more grounded, lower budget, and turning profits that way. I think this could be an interesting change. Again, this just happened, so as we learn more, I will report on it. But what do you guys think about Sean Bailey out at Disney, effective immediately? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our main topic. And typically, I like to kind of save the main topics for later in the show, but this is quite big news, so we're going to get into it right now. Naruto, one of the most famous animes of all time, is getting the live-action movie treatment from director Destin Daniel Creighton, who most recently directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And it's going to be produced by Lionsgate which I find quite fascinating. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter article that broke this does mention that Creighton has the blessing of the show's creator, which I'm going to butcher the name, but it is Masashi Kishimoto. Uh, Kishimoto even gave a statement saying, when I heard Destin's attachment, it happened to be right after watching a blockbuster action film of his, and I thought he would be a perfect director for Naruto. After enjoying his other films and understanding that his forte is in creating solid dramas about people, I became convinced that there is no other director for Naruto. And actually meeting Destin, I also found him to be an open-minded director who was willing to embrace my input and felt strongly that we would be able to cooperate together in the production process. So there you go. Uh, I'll be honest, I've never watched Naruto, but you don't have to watch Naruto to know what a huge deal this is to pop culture and especially the anime community. And I know that there's been a lot of hate on live-action adaptations for specifically the Avatar The Last Airbender series, which you can watch our review on the channel. I enjoyed the show. I mean, I, I don't think it's you know, fucking Breaking Bad or anything like that and definitely has issues. But, I mean, overall, I thought it was perfectly enjoyable for what it was, especially the second half. But a lot of people online have not been thrilled about it, which kind of led to this discussion of live-action adaptations anyway and how needed are they. And it kind of led to a wider discussion, so this news kind of dropped in the midst of that. But 
I think it's an interesting choice. I think Dustin Daniel Creighton is an amazing director, and from the blessing of the creator, I mean, that has to at least alleviate some people's worries who are fans of the show. If you're a huge fan of Naruto, please comment and tell me if you're excited about this, if you're not excited about this, and... While I know some of you are going to kind of give blanket comments about just live-action adaptations in general, try to kind of focus it on Dustin Daniel Creighton. Do you think he's the right man for the job if someone's going to do it? Again, let me know as we move on to our next story. And this one I also found quite fascinating. This is coming to us from Deadline. Uh, Sam Mendes, infamous director who uh, recently directed the film 1917 and one other, which didn't do very well, and I'm forgetting the name of it, I'm sorry, is going to be doing a Beatles biopic. Wait, correction, he's doing four for each of the original Beatles, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. That's quite the undertaking, and I'm going to take this bit from Deadline. Mendes will direct all four of the films, and this marks the first time that Apple Corpse LTD and the Beatles, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the families of John Lennon and George Harrison have granted full life story and music rights for a scripted film. Mendes conceived this grand vision. The he'll then tell interconnected stories, one from each band member's point of view. The dating cadence of the films will be revealed closer to the film's release. I'm told they are locking down writers quickly. So... Again, huge undertaking from director Sam Mendes. He clearly likes to challenge himself and wants to try to do this in like the Beatles cinematic universe, if you will. I think it's an interesting idea. You know, I, I definitely see that there can be some downfall to this, especially if the first movie comes out the gate and isn't very well received. But at the same time, I think it's going to be something that especially Beatles fans really embrace. But the prop, the issue is, can straight up movie fans embrace that? Because, you know, people don't mind binge watching TV shows at home. Like if this was a four part miniseries, that'd be one thing. But marketing theatrical event releases for the Beatles and each one is an individual film. It's going to be difficult to market. It's never really been done before. So I'm curious to see mostly just about the marketing and how they're going to get that word out to the general movie-going audience. Because, you know, a lot of people who are in fandom or, like, comic book movies or just a big genre in general will think, like, oh, I don't even need a trailer. I just need to know that there's a new Spider-Man movie and I can go. Well, you'd be surprised what the general movie-going audience knows and doesn't know. I worked at a movie theater for many years, and I can't tell you how many times people just come up to the box office and ask me what is playing. It happens way more often than you think. So with that said, what do you think of this grand vision to have four Beatles biopics being shot and released, hopefully not that far apart from each other? I feel like you have to bookend with John and Paul, right? Like, you can't do Ringo out the gate. I mean, no offense to Ringo, I just feel like that that wouldn't quite exactly get the audience going for you. But let me know what you guys think about this in the comments as we move on to our next story. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we reported that uh, David Leach was going to be in talks to direct the new Jurassic World movie, which they were putting on a fast track for a 2025 release. And then just a couple days after that, he dropped from the film and said, nope, I'm not directing that. And there were some interesting drama behind the scenes stories about the what was actually going on there. But something we do know is he was not making it. And that uh, Jeff Snyder from his newsletter was saying that they were looking for a shooter, someone who would just come in and start work on the movie and not really kind of get bogged down with the whole grand vision of it all. And they have found their new director. And that director is Gareth Edwards, director of The Creator and Rogue One and the 2014 Godzilla film. He will be making the new Jurassic World film from the writer of the original Jurassic Park movie. And listen, I'm in. You know, I think that Gareth Edwards has a lot of promise. He's a very technically talented director. I think all of his movies look and sound quite beautiful. He does kind of come from that background. Uh, he's also a bang-for-your-buck kind of director. The creator did not have a big budget, and he made it look very expensive. And I think a lot of the problems his films had recently are just script problems. So if you have a solid script from the original writer, I feel like he can really shine his talents here, and hopefully it can make it work and get another banger for the Jurassic franchise. However we feel about the last few films, they all made a billion dollars, so 
Of course, they're going to make more. Do you guys think that Gareth Edwards is the right choice for a new Jurassic World film? Please let me know in the comments below. I'd really love to hear your thoughts as we move on to our next story. These next couple stories are kind of just related into uh, studio spending and the different things that are happening right now with a lot of different stuff going on. I have some on the Marvel and Disney side and some on the Warner Brothers DC side. And uh, in the Variety article talking about Warner Brothers spending, it mentions that Joker has a $200 million budget. For reference, Dune's budget was 190. <laughs> it also mentions that jo Joaquin Phoenix would be making $20 million from his deal and Lady Gaga would be making 12. Good for Joaquin Phoenix. I think he made 4 million on the first Joker. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was around that figure. So Obviously, him getting a big payday to return and Lady Gaga's, I mean, 20 plus 12, that's what, 32? So 32 of that 200 is going right to just the two leads. And I think that um, that might have been a huge negotiating factor for him even returning because he doesn't really do sequels. This might be the first sequel he's ever done. And while, yes, he had mentioned in press for the first Joker film that he feels like there might be more story to tell, that film was very obviously designed to be a one-and-done kind of thing. And Warner Brothers kind of regretted um, sharing the production costs of that film because that means they had to share the profits of it as well because it was an insanely profitable movie. It was made for like 50 or $60 million and it made over a billion and they had to share the profits. I'm sure they were so upset about that. And so it doesn't surprise me that they greenlight this film at $200 million because of the insane profit margin. I mean, if you make a, if a movie makes a billion and it costs $300 million, that's still a good profit, let alone 60. So I think that they have high hopes for this new Joker film that comes out in October, which is clearly showing that. And the article also goes on to talk about just more of it spending deals with Tom Cruise's new deal, where he's going to be, uh, you know, signing an overall deal with them to kind of work with more auteur filmmakers, which we'll get to a story I'm going to get to in just a minute. But that whole ordeal is just really interesting when you kind of just see where Warner Brothers is going. There's some speculation that they're trying to spend all this money and make all these deals, especially the Tom Cruise one, to look good for an idea of a sale. Because I think in April or May, they are allowed to sell or merge the company. And a lot of people think that that's what David Zaslav has been doing by kind of cutting debts and trying to figure out what to do there is that could be just a really long ploy to sell the company. That would surprise me. I, I understand the argument. And I see why people think that, but... I don't know. I, I just don't feel like a lot of the changes would have been implemented if you planned on selling it. I think there were other ways to make the company look more profitable than what he's been doing, especially unpopular things like canceling movies that have already been shot. The article also goes on to say that Tom Cruise is in talks to star in the Quentin Tarantino film, The Movie Critic, allegedly his last film. We'll see. But that would be cool to see Tom Cruise work with Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure it wouldn't be like a major leading role or anything, but the Tarantino films always have very memorable side characters, and I could see Tom Cruise definitely stepping into that quite nicely. On the Disney and Marvel side, uh, they kind of talk about a lot of the shakeups and spending going on there as well. And this is coming from The Hollywood Reporter. On the positive side, uh, it looks like Agatha only did one day of reshoots, and they're actually saying that they are quite confident that that show was really good. Then it comes out in this October for that, you know, horror spooky season. They also quietly hired Eric Pearson to polish up the script for the Fantastic Four, which recently announced its cast. Pearson had also worked on Thor Ragnarok and Black Widow. And the article says that his reputation at the studio is for getting projects over the finish line, so it doesn't surprise me that they're hiring him here. It also revealed that they hired uh, Joanna Callow, the showrunner of the FX series The Bear, to work on the script for Thunderbolts, which is quite surprising. Uh, I know that they've been reworking that film a lot lately and they really want to make sure it's great because the article also goes on to mention that 
they're not going to be doing the Kang Dynasty title anymore. The movie's still happening, and they might even still recast Kang, but it looks like the main story might slowly be going away from him. And speaking of changes, Captain America 4 is going to be completely removing the Serpent Society. They did a ton of reshoots to kind of change the final battle. That's not Hollywood Reporter. That's Daniel RPK, Daniel Richmond, who's a, a you know famous internet scooper and uh, headliner. Um, but I, he's accurate pretty frequently, so I believe that that is what's happening. It also talks about on the Marvel TV side uh, a lot of what's been happening. It talked about how uh, Secret Invasion only had a 2.5 billion minutes of viewing over a six-week run, which is near the bottom end of their live-action Disney Plus offerings. And it's even implied that they're going to really stop focusing on live-action TV shows and just do live-action movies and animated shows. And the live-action shows they do end up doing are going to be more grounded and down-to-earth. I know that there's a lot still coming that we're shooting, like Daredevil, Agatha, Wonder Man, and Ironheart. I believe those are the last live-action series that we're filming at the moment. And we'll kind of see where they go from there. I'm very excited for Daredevil. And anyone who watches this channel knows knows that about me. But yeah, lots of spending going on in Hollywood. And as I mentioned from the Warner Brothers aspect of that, going into our next story of Tom Cruise wanting to kind of work with auteur and better filmmakers to kind of take his career on a new path, he's set to star in Alejandro Iñárritu's next film at Warner Brothers with Legendary Pictures, who's also going back to Warner Brothers after they famously got mad at them over Godzilla and Kong going to uh, streaming in the 2021 HBO Max debacle. I'm going to read from the article here. Sources tell Deadline that Warner Brothers and Legendary are in negotiations for an untitled Alejandro Iñárritu film starring Tom Cruise. The project would mark Iñárritu's first English-language pick since the 2015 smash hit The Revenant. And look, I think this is a smart move for Tom Cruise. I think uh, Mission Impossible 8 might be the last Mission Impossible movie. I don't know that for sure, but I think it might be. And he may do one more big blockbuster. He might do Edge of Tomorrow Part 2, because I know he's talked about that for a while. But and where his career goes, I think he he's he wants to really kind of get down to earth and get that Oscar. I think Tom Cruise wants that Oscar, guys. And I think we're going to start seeing him put in the work to get it because he did a lot of great work like that early in his career. And then he hit movie star status and then became movie producer status and started producing a lot of great films. And I think this is the natural next step for him. And I think that, you know, especially with him getting, he's not getting any younger. I think he's in his 60s now. You can't do Mission Impossible movies forever. I think this is an interesting move. And I could really see him thriving in this space and taking new roles that maybe he wouldn't take before and doing interesting character studies. I'm, I'm thrilled. I think Tom Cruise is going to do great in that regard. What do you guys think? Do you think Tom Cruise would do a good job in this regard? Or do you think this is the wrong move for him? Let me know as we move on to our final movie news section before we get to the box office but you know that's coming and more shakeups this also coming from deadline uh ballerina the john wick spinoff film uh, has been delayed an entire year into summer 2025 it was supposed to come out of june 2024 and uh the reason is not great but it does show some promise that they want the film to be great i'm going to read from deadline here Lionsgate's John Wick spinoff Ballerina starring Anna de Armas will be delayed a year from June 7th, 2024 to June 6, 2025. The move comes as John Wick architect Chad Stileski has inked a new deal with Lionsgate to oversee the franchise. He's working with Ballerina director Len Wiseman on additional action sequences for the movie to amp it up even more than it is. Basically, it was just that's a nice way of saying, hey, this movie is not up to my standards and it's my franchise now, so let's go in and redo some stuff to make sure it's up to what I need. I've also heard from behind the scenes that he's not thrilled about the Continental series and that he did not have the input that the press kind of implied that he had. 
and he wishes that he had more oversight, which allowed him to ink this deal with Lionsgate to oversee the John Wick franchise. And this is him just taking his first step to make sure uh, to have decent quality control in that regard. So this could end up being a good move, and this could end up adding great action scenes to Ballerina. I hope so. I I hear that Keanu's going to cameo in it, as well as Ian McShane, because uh, this takes place in between chap- John Wick Chapter 3 and Chapter 4. So I'm excited. I hope the film is great, and I hope that the changes they make are for its benefit. Uh, but another interesting thing that this kind of threw in there was... Uh, the film taking its place going to uh, June of 2024 was The Crow reboot, which I guess is moving really well if they're able to release it this June. So we might even get a trailer for that soon. And that movie's been in production hell forever. They've been trying to make that Crow reboot. So that's exciting as well. I hope that we're able to pull that off and be able to kind of get both things to the quality that they need to be. And since that concludes the movie news, guys, you know what it's time for. It's time for the box office. It's a lot more sad when you do that in a room by yourself. I think I have my predictions from last week. I do. So my predictions were Bob Marley number one, Demon Slayer number two, Argyle number three, Madam Web number four, and Migration number five. Nick's were Demon Slayer number one, Bob Marley number two, Madam Web number three, Argyle number four, Driveaway Dolls number five. We were both wrong. But these are the final Monday numbers that I'm delivering to you. They are not the Sunday estimates. If the episode's a little late, it's because I shot it just now. Bob Marley One Love made another $13 million, only dropping 53% from week one to week two. That's about the drop that you want to see. Uh, Demon Slayer, the new Demon Slayer film from Crunchyroll, opened to $11 million. Good for them in second place. Ordinary Angels. Uh, from Lionsgate, came in third place. I believe that is a faith-based film with uh, um, Alan Richson, is it? The guy who plays Reacher? I believe he's in that. Uh, That made $6.1 million. I completely forgot it was coming out, hence the lack of prediction. Madam Web came in fourth, dropping 61% from week one to week two. That's a big yikes, making $5.9 million. And Migration ended up coming in fifth, making another $2.8 million dollars. Bob Marley One Love has now made 110 million dollars worldwide across that 100 million dollar mark. Good for that movie. Uh, Demon Slayer Worldwide has made 21 million dollars. Good for Demon Slayer. Ordinary Angels uh, had an A cinema score so that could actually lead to like good legs box office wise which would not be surprising in the future and it's only come out domestically so far so it's still at that 6.1 million dollar total. Madam Web uh, it's only made $60 million worldwide so far. The budget here is listed as 80 but we've seen reports from the trades that it was more like 100 So not good, Madam Web. And Migration sticking in there has now has a worldwide total of $268 million. Has now made 3.7 times its budget. Uh, Illumination initially was disappointed by that number, and it is still low for their standards, but it's still profitable, so they can't be all that upset about it. So I haven't seen this movie yet, but a movie came out called Land of Bad, and I want to see it so badly uh it's only made three million dollars worldwide though (laughs) i just i really want to see it i think it has liam hemsworth uh poor things crossed 100 million dollars worldwide good for them uh 32 of that was domestic i believe the budget was 35 so good for poor things it's a great fucking movie with that down though i'm now going to make predictions for next week's box office dune part two will be number one that's fairly obvious uh i think that the anime films normally have a really good opening weekends, but their second weekend, there's a drop-off, so I don't think Demon Slayer will be in the top five. Uh, I'll go Bob Marley number two, because it also has a good cinema score. I'll go Ordinary Angels number three. 
Madam Web number four again, and Migration number five again. I think that's that's going to be the top five next week. Dune part two, Bob Marley, Ordinary Angels, Madam Web, Migration. That's my guesses for your top five next week, everybody. I'm rarely correct, so it probably won't happen. However, I am going <laughs> to double down on my guess. And if you want to leave your predictions for the box office in the comments below, if you're right, we will shout you out on the show. So make sure you leave your top five predictions. Also, guys, if you haven't done so yet, please check out our revisited episodes of The Roundtable where we did Batman Begins or doing Dark Knight later this week. And also check out our reviews for Doom Part 2, which is on the channel now, and you have a couple more movie reviews upcoming. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you on the next one.